Download a podcast from Relay FM recorded Thursday, September the 7th, 2017. This is episode 20, Like Rooting for the Cable Company. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. I'm Jason Snell, your host. This week, I'm joined by two wonderful guests, as usual, this week's guests. Uh, Senior editor at Engadget, Devendra Devendra Hardawar, is back. Boy, you know, I said your name to myself like 10 (laughs) times, and I I nailed it every time, and then I introduce (laughs) you, and I get it completely wrong. Anyway, Devendra Hardawar is the name, and he's back again on Download. Thank you for coming. No problem. Thanks for having me. Also here, let's see if I can get her name wrong, too. Sriracha? No, Serenity Caldwell, Managing Editor at iMore is here. Hello. Hi, Jason. I like Sriracha. I think that's going to be my new nickname. Sriracha. Sriracha Caldwell. It's good. I'm sure people are naming their kids Sriracha at this point. Somebody must have. Of course, my producer is Steven, the the axe murderer hackhead. Nope, that's not it. (laughs) Wow. I was gone a week, and now I'm axe murderer? I don't know. what you get for taking time off. Uh, don't admit it. Just talk to your lawyer, is what I'm saying. Anyway, Stephen and I have chosen the stories this week. I'm feeling a little punchy. That's just what's happening today. I don't know why. Uh, and w- we think they're the most interesting stories of the week. Some weeks, there's lots of interesting stories. Some weeks, a little bit less. But we want to use them as a jumping-off point to talk about sort of what's going on in the technology world. We might as well get to it. That brings us to topic number one. This week, uh, the President of the United States announced that, they would be, uh, that he would be phasing out uh, the DREAM Act which is uh, or or DACA, which is a uh, a program that was put in place to allow children of immigrants who were born outside of the U.S. but brought in as children to um, to remain in the United States. And he called upon Congress to potentially make that permanent. But that he was it's a whole a whole story. What's interesting from the tech perspective is that Silicon Valley companies, by and large, came out in uh, a, a strong defense of the Dream Act and DACA and. Uh, and very much said even that they considered instating it into law a higher priority than all that tax reform that they would also really like to see as all their (laughs) money sits overseas and they want to bring it back into the U.S. and not pay as much in taxes as they would currently. Um, Also, there was an interesting uh, story that came out about uh, the politics of Silicon Valley, which is interesting because it uh, it basically quantified that the, um, the politics of Silicon Valley are generally to the left um, in fact, fairly far to the left with one specific <laughs> difference, which is, guess what? <laughs> Business regulation. So basically, super lefty politics, except hands off my business, say people who are in that business. So I, Silicon Valley and politics, uh, it's definitely definitely a conversation this week. Um, Devendra, what do you think about, uh, about Silicon Valley companies sort of dipping their toe in or, or maybe splashing in the puddles of politics full bore this week? Honestly, it seems like about time, right? Uh, I really would have loved to for these companies to kind of speak out more ahead of time amidst all these other uh trump announcements uh i think back to like the photos and the reporting from that first technology council meeting where it's like (laughs) bezos is there tim cook is there i think nadella yeah nadella was there too like and they just look miserable they look like they're you know prisoner they look like the people that cersei lannister calls up for like a council and nobody wants to be there (laughs) and they're all afraid that you know she's gonna chop their heads off and they look miserable but that nobody really did anything 
you know, and I think I can understand why, because they're beholden to shareholders and they can't just like get up and, you know, say to the president, I'm not going to cooperate with you. I'm glad that we're at a point where they can finally do that. I mean, they are they are defending their own their own interests to a degree, right? I mean, sure. there there are For there sure. are some cases where it's very much taking a political stand, but in a lot of these cases, like like the New York Times story, uh, which I think was Farad Manju about how mm-hmm. um, how uh, it's like it's very very liberal except for the part that if directly impacts their business, um, it right. feels a little bit like that because I mean, uh, like it's framed when Tim Cook talked about uh, Dreamers, he specifically cited how many Dreamers he works with at Apple, so there's the sense that what this is a, this is about is on immigration tech companies are concerned because they have immigrants who work for them they recruit people who are not US mm-hmm. citizens and so they, they to a certain degree they're arguing it's political but it's more like the wh- what how businesses are impacted by politics mm-hmm. i guess it's definitely self-serving and that uh, Farad Mantri report I, did that tell us anything new i mean we Uh, I think a lot of Silicon Valley tries to be very liberal, or at least they talk that way. Um, But when it comes to regulations, they're like any other titans of industry, right? They, (laughs) They don't want none of that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, like the quantification of it, but beyond that, yeah. Go mm-hmm. ahead, Ren. No, exactly. At this point, it's it's the rubber hitting the road because mm-hmm. Apple needs these, you know, Apple needs people to innovate. Amazon needs people to innovate. Microsoft needs people to innovate. Uh, and sometimes those folks come mm-hmm. from outside of the country. Sometimes those folks were not born in this country. Um, like you said, Jason, I think it, it really is. Uh, and, and we've seen similar, similar acts from, from tech companies on net neutrality in this mm-hmm. sphere as well, where they don't really want to talk about these situations, um, unless it's absolutely prudent that they do, because it, it, when you're running a multi-billion dollar company, you're navigating through a basically a political minefield every time you sit down with a, with somebody to make a deal. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's politics combined with, uh, with tech money, which is a, <laughs> an unenviable position here. Uh, but I'm, I am glad that they're taking a stand on the DACA. Uh, in part because I, you know, it just, it, it makes sense. It is a, it is a, uh, it is a stand that makes sense from a tech, uh, leader perspective to be forward thinking on, especially because these are people who can point firsthand to how the DACA recipients have actively, you know, influenced and improved our economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, making, making those kinds of points are better to kind of reach across the aisle than just, these people are important. These people are humans. Uh, because the, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't always, that's not always the lens that people want to look through. I'm fascinated by the, uh, I mean, it, it is this, Farad Manju, sir, you're right, Devendra, that it's not like it tells us anything too new, but the, the details are fascinating. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like this one that, uh, that 42% of Democrats and 51% of Republicans think that Uber's surge pricing is fair, but 94% of technology founders think it's fair, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like there is there is a Silicon Valley worldview that is not necessarily uh-huh. Republican or Democrat, but it is its own view. And those of us who write about it could probably quantify what that is. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it, it's definitely a a, a pro-business uh, viewpoint that is uh, that is beyond even sort of your mainstream Republican viewpoint. Yeah. Pro-business and definitely pro-tech, too. Like this, it sounds more technocratic than anything else which is why you can't quite divide into democrat or republican 
Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, one of the questions I noticed, I noticed was missing in that sort of general realm is stuff on automation as well, because in that it, it's interesting from, from a perspective of humanitarianism, mm-hmm. uh, in that I think tech companies would like to be very leftward, you know, leaning, as you said, Jason, uh, but only to the extent that it makes sense for their business policies. Uh, so, you know, if it's, if there's the question of like, uh, should automated cars have to decide between killing, you know, the person in the car and killing the person in front of them in the street in an unavoidable collision? Like, that's the kind of question that I'm not sure I really want to know the answer to mm-hmm. from a from a tech company. Uh, it's the same thing with uh, with surge pricing. I'm like, dude, I really want to know that 94 percent of people think it's in the tech uh, in the tech sphere think it's OK to uh, surcharge people in hurricanes. I don't know if I I don't know if I did. <laughs> You know, it's a, it's an interesting thing to talk about. You you mentioned the stockholders uh, a few minutes ago and how these CEOs are really you know, they're they're bound to those those stockholders a little bit. But then you have like examples of Tim Cook, you know, kind of raging against that. But you know, at the same time, these are the most powerful companies in our in our you know in our country. It's, it's Apple's one of the biggest companies in the world. They kind of trade places with Exxon. Like there's a real economic factor in Silicon Valley that, that Washington DC has to contend with. And I think that's new. I think these companies are kind of just now waking up and realizing just how much power they hold over the rest of the economy. Uh, one of the things that uh, I think comes up out of this is oversight. I mean, if we, if we leave the incredibly polarized politics in the U.S. aside for a moment, you know, it is ultimately the government's job to decide what level of regulation is going to happen in new technology areas. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure um, what to think about the fact that when we talk about how, how tech companies <clears throat> view what should be regulated and what should not, uh, there's this challenge of like... Uh, Clearly, members of Congress are not particularly tech savvy. I think that's been proven time and again. Um, the danger, I suppose, is that they they get their education from lobbyists who right. are being paid by the tech companies to basically say, uh, "Keep your hands off." In fact, another story that I didn't even put in the uh, in the uh, story list for this episode, but I'll throw it in here as part of this, is there is a, a law or a bill moving through Congress that would open up self driving car regulations across the country instead of having these sort of patchwork laws state by state. And the question is, like, who is who is setting the agenda for how the tech industry gets <laughs> regulated and who's watching the tech industry? Because it feels to me like it's probably going to be the tech industry and they're going to say, basically, hands off, which is not necessarily in the best interest of everybody. I don't know. Right, right. I mean, that's not true. That's not too different from, I guess, the way lots of other regulations get set. <laughs> like, all the industries are in there kind of manipulating everything. So... Not too surprised that the tech companies are doing that, too. But, yeah, we kind of do need a more, I don't know, technically informed uh, uh, government to yeah. kind of help, uh, you know, totally. lead these things along. Right, because I feel like right now there's a there's a, dis- a disparity there where the, mm-hmm. the tech companies are ahead in terms of setting the agenda and the knowledge than uh, the people who might try to be a counterbalance to them. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit well, off. Well, it's a lack of democratized information. I mean, we saw this with net neutrality a couple years ago where the majority of people didn't quite understand what net neutrality was in the first place uh, until there was this big campaign to explain, yeah, this is why you have to care about this topic that otherwise mm-hmm. – doesn't sound particularly exciting. Um, and this is why it's especially dangerous from a, from a government standpoint, because you've got revolving doors and everything else. Um, 
that those kinds of campaigns, I think, are crucial when we're talking about uh, technology in specific, because a lot of the times a consumer is just going to to say, well, you know, the government knows best, they'll take care of it. Or, well, mm-hmm. Apple invented this technology, they probably know how to use it. And uh, as as we've seen in the past, it's like even the most, you know, philanthropical uh, tech leader still is going to put their own personal interests above the interests of the the world at large if they think that they're making the world a better place. See, you know, mm-hmm. Elon Musk building giant rockets and then also mm-hmm. working his employees to the bone. And Sergey Brin's uh, a private island of uh, no laws or whatever he was talking <laughs> yeah. about that, that time. Was, that was Larry's, but yeah. Oh, no, you're right. I'm you're sure right. That's Larry. Sergey has like a Sorry, much Sergey. different... He's like a floating island, his, sure. his, He's like got the volcano room. lair. It's different and you, he doesn't <laughs> talk about it. You don't want to give away... It's it's. Location. We, look, it is a very polarized world right now, and mm-hmm. uh, I think one of the challenges for any company, not just a tech company, is this fear that if you are perceived as being on one side or the other, that you're going to turn off your customers on the other side. Now, I'm not sure. The, the, <laughs> the loudest people are the people who will be turned off. I'm not sure whether um, a, a, a company really would lose a lot of business if they le- if they were clearly leaning one way, where by the rank and file, it might be the noisiest people who make a stink. But I don't know. It's very polarized. It's very angry right now. It's entirely mm-hmm. possible that people will, uh, you know, they're always boycotting this and that. And I I keep going back to the fact that, you know, during uh, like when Steve Jobs was running Apple, right? Rush Limbaugh was also the world's biggest Apple fan and talking about all his favorite Apple products, right? He could get over the fact that (laughs) Steve Jobs was politically, other than perhaps about regulation, right? Because uh, politically on the other side, like, and I I keep thinking like, well, you know, if Rush Limbaugh is a big enough guy (laughs) to use Apple products, despite the fact that the company has liberal politics, that perhaps the fear that uh, that companies have about taking stands that are in their best interests maybe is not real. But I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe the world has changed in the last five years. It, it probably has. Um, anyway, it's, uh, yeah, Silicon Valley. Politics. It's not going to, they're not going to hide, right? <laughs> it's going to keep coming back because we're going to have another law enforcement situation, another encryption situation, right? And that's going to mm-hmm. throw that kind of stuff back into this, into the hopper here of discussion about this. The, when, when, when your, your uh, most valuable company is a tech company, um, the rules are going to be very different than when it was a steel company or an oil company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it also seems like, uh, you know, we were talking about net neutrality. I think a lot of the arguments, you know, against that, or at least the things companies like T-Mobile are doing, right, on the surface look very consumer friendly. You know, I I want free stuff. I want free access or, (laughs) you know, cheaper access to this one particular service. And it does require people to kind of be informed about why that could be dangerous for, you know, something like the Internet. And, yeah, these topics are only going to get more complicated down the line. And, you know, with AI, self-driving cars. There's so much. I'm I'm not looking forward to what an uninformed government would do with all that stuff. All right. Well, let's uh, we're going to move on to another topic. But before we do that, let me tell you about one of our sponsors this week. This episode of download is brought to you in part by Text Expander from our friends over at Smile. You can communicate smarter with Text Expander. You use Text Expander to power through repetitive stuff that you do. Repetitive stuff. The computer can make. This is why we have computers: is to make repetitive stuff easy. So you can standardize your communication, improve your written replies that you send every day. A couple of keystrokes 
strokes gets you key phrases or paragraphs or even like whole emails, whole posts, anything that is like standard and boilerplate that you use all the time. And then a couple of keystrokes, you've got it, no mistakes, uh, and you've saved time and you move on. Uh, the phrase that you need is right at hand. You don't even have to think about how should I phrase that. So you just do a couple of keystrokes and boom, it's in there. You set up a snippet for your email sign off. For an introductory greeting when you're speaking to somebody new, uh, maybe it's a template that you need to uh, fill in then for taking notes in the meeting, a couple of uh, keystrokes and the template's there and then you just fill it in. You can collaborate more efficiently in tools like Slack by using text snippets. You can share with other people in the organization so you can have best practices like here's how we answer this sort of email or here's how we describe our company and then have that shared out and then everybody can just get it with a couple of keystrokes, uh, create text snippets right from within your browser. So many things you can do to save time. When I was doing live blogging at Macworld back in the day, uh, I used Text Expander for all of the stuff that uh, got got in my way, like the timestamps and the HTML codes. So all I had to do was type what was going on on stage, which was pretty nice. If you spend any amount of your day typing using that keyboard, try Text Expander because you can press fewer keys and get the same result. You can get it free for 30 days on the Mac iPhone, iPad, or Windows by going to textexpander.com slash download FM and you can start your free trial today. Thank you to Text Expander for supporting download. All right. Topic number two is a little bit different from us, although we do talk about how digital uh, technology stuff intersects the entertainment industry uh, from time to time here. A report out from The Hollywood Reporter this week that Amazon and Apple are joining the race with Warner Brothers for bidding on the film rights to the James Bond franchise. And, uh, you know, a little (laughs) bit of a head-scratcher when you first think about it. It's like, what is happening here? But this seems to be the story right now, is that tech titans want content. And so here we are. James Bond, you know, is he going to be... Hiding out in the Genius Bar or emerging from an Amazon box and shooting somebody? I don't... uh, What do you think about this strange world we live in now? Serenity, what do you think about uh, all of these kinds of uh, entertainment tech fusions? You know, I actually think it's a very smart move for Apple. um, And I imagine it's being driven not necessarily from executives at Apple, but from some of the new content moves that they've made in the last few months hiring... Uh, certain executives who've been working on high, high caliber projects. Yeah. I mean, the, as, as we've kind of learned from Netflix, uh, the way that you become a streaming power is to get the content, right? Mm-hmm. You, if you don't have the content, if you don't have the must see TV, people aren't going to subscribe to your service. And if Apple is very, if Apple is actually serious about having the same kind of dynamic content that goes beyond the occasional episode of Carlpool Karaoke, they need a, they either need a franchise they need a brand they need something that is uh eminently recognizable uh and uh it's a lot easier to buy one that's pretty much fully formed out of the womb than it is to uh to try and make your own handmaid's tale etc uh so i mean ultimately when you when you think about talking about buying the the filming rights that doesn't necessarily mean that apple is suddenly going to start hiring cinematographers and directors uh essentially what that means is apple is the apple's the studio apple's the money behind it um and what they can do is lease out all of this you know basically say here is my giant cash bank 
uh, I'm going to go hire the best directors and the best, you know, crew in the world to do James Bond. Uh, and even, you know, maybe sublet a studio, uh, and have the studio basically run it for me, but I have executive control and I have the, at the end of the day, I get to, you know, promote the movie and I get to have it exclusively on my streaming networks and I have to get to have the catalog, which I think is the other big, the big ticket item here, because if Amazon's in the fight, and we don't know who got into the fight first, right, whether it was Amazon or Apple, if Amazon's in the fight, there's a chance that Amazon could buy James Bond, the rights to James Bond, and then remove it off of all other streaming networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's probably, that's a, that's a decent threat to Apple because, you know, James, again, James Bond is a fairly big property. And if there's the risk that another major streaming network is going to take away or add a period of exclusivity to arguably one is one of the, the bigger franchises of the world, uh, it, it makes sense to me that Apple's going to step in. For sure. I mean, it's certainly surprising, right? Cause this isn't the, it's not the sort of thing we'd expect from Apple, but honestly, I'm not surprised that Amazon's in this fight just because they've been doing a great job of securing distribution rights to lots of films and great films, too. Like most recently, like uh, you look at the Oscars, right? And you look at how many awards are even tied to Amazon. It was quite a bit, quite a lot. Manchester by the Sea, mm-hmm. a lot of like major films. Um, so it's they were doing this for a while. I wonder if Apple's kind of following in their footsteps, uh, if only because they've had so much trouble um, with negotiations with studios about around content for their own services, too. So, yeah, kind of makes sense for Apple. It's just I, I didn't see this coming, but they have so much money. They could basically do anything at this point. Right. I think uh, people are going to find out in the in the next. So the new executives started at Apple at mm-hmm. the end of August. And this is the thing where over this fall, all of us are going to have to recalibrate our views on Apple as a uh, an entertainment industry player because up to now, it has been a, the joke of sort of like, wh- you know, what's Eddie Q doing with Jimmy Iovine <laughs> and they're doing a Dr. Dre <laughs> reality uh, docu thing and they're doing carpool karaoke and planet of the apps and it's like it's kind of kind of jokey and apple music adjacent and and not a not much of a strategy it's just trying some stuff out but that that's over like for people who are still playing that game like it's over they hired two incredibly well respected people from sony entertainment the as we like to say the good part of sony's business the part that was actually (laughs) doing a good job producing television and they and they installed them and now uh this week there's another story that came out this week uh, they hired four more people uh, three from sony and a press person from wgn america uh, to add to their team so you know they are building a, a, a true industry insider entertainment team this is not eddie q uh writing checks to carpool karaoke this is a very different kind of scenario these are mm-hmm. the kind of teams that are built at amazon and netflix and so apple's apple's game is changing and it and and we're gonna have to take it seriously from here on out because as uh devendra pointed out they got all the cash so it it's it's all unexpected now we don't expect to hear apple in this amazon we're starting to hear more about it but still to see them uh, tied to something like james bond is uh it it, it takes it, it takes a minute to, to it takes your breath away a little bit um i'm also <laughs> interested by the potential here right like james bond is a franchise that has been steadfastly limited to film and i do wonder if these if these tech companies with their big 
bankrolls might go to Eon Productions, who are the owners of James Bond, and say, you know, we we have the money to do more with this franchise, and we right, want right. to do more. And that may, you know, there aren't that many, right? Most of them, Disney bought most of them and has most of them locked up, and everybody else is trying to make them. So this is one that is kind of a free mm-hmm. agent, and maybe that'll, maybe we'll we'll get some different kind of Bond stuff out of it just because the money will finally be there. I, I think know. you're forgetting James Bond Jr., Jason. Ah, uh, yes. Just, well, that's true. What a brand Jason's extension. Scum, I what, think. What a brand extension. Um, what did the world's most famous spy do before he was a spy? He was a spy for the junior cadets. Yeah, that's right. Always a spy. Came came out of the womb as a spy. But uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. We're, we're going to have to get used to this. This is, you know, Amazon, Netflix, and a- Apple are spending billions of dollars on on uh, producing video content in the next, I- every year for the mm-hmm. uh, next few years, you're going to see billions and billions from each of them. And it's going to, you know, Netflix and Amazon have already upended a lot of the entertainment industry and really changed things. And now Apple's coming in and they've got as much money to spend. So it's going to sure. change it further. And the future of the entertainment wars is definitely in franchises, right? Look at like just how much Disney has done with Star Wars in a short amount of time, right? You know, they're a franchise machine and they just basically absorbed Star Wars and just started cranking these things out. Um, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. We and uh, they want something similar to Marvel too. Like everyone's looking at the what Disney's doing with Marvel and Star Wars. And they're going to want a piece of that. And I do wonder, like, I, I can imagine the James Bond cinematic universe of sorts, you know, mm. something that could follow different characters or have him show up in a TV show similar to, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something, but have <laughs> that follow different characters. So there's there's a lot of potential. And we know people like spy stuff, because why, why else are we watching Mission Impossible movies? So, yeah, there's a lot of potential I, for that franchise. I would totally watch a TV show just around Q, just saying. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and oh and, man, and think of that Apple product integration. Mm, and uh, John Gruber uh, suggested an HBO style series about the uh, about other double O agents, other license to kill agents, yep. and <laughs> and where you don't know if they're going to live or they're going to die. It's like there's a lot mm-hmm. you could do with this uh, with this world if you really wanted to, and uh, it's it would be interesting once you once you have billions of dollars changing hands, <laughs> anything can happen. Um, once you're a James Bond villain, you can you can make your own James Bond. Basically, that, that's true. I I, I suddenly am getting a flash of dr evil saying you know and he's got a he's driving a, a like a netflix truck and he says mm-hmm. i have six billion dollars to spend on content that is uh also don't no more austin powers movies please let's not let's not go there don't give mike myers any of that money sorry mike myers so it's over um yeah it's uh we'll we'll uh we'll watch it but i mean mark my words this is one of those things when they made that higher the higher of those two sony executives it's like there are going to be a lot of people scratching their heads about what apple is doing before they realize Realize that Apple has basically um, given them the license to to build up this whole uh, infrastructure of that they've never had before, and they're you know it's an entertainment company inside of Apple now, which never existed mm-hmm. before, but it's there now. It's it's. Would it's you real. say, Jason, that they have a license to build? Ooh, no, I I I wouldn't because <laughs> that would be way too painful. But there it is. 
anyway, James Bond, uh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, there's, there's money to be spent. So something's going to happen. Warner Brothers, by the way, is trying very hard to get the property too. So there's definitely, um, there's definitely bidding going on from traditional sources too. Um, but I, Warner Brothers needs help. Too, I feel, so I'm sure I, they'd be desperate. I, I feel bad though, right? Because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's hard to feel bad for a movie studio. It's like rooting for the cable company, but, and, and the cable company probably owns the movie studio at this point, right? But, uh, but yet, you know, against this tech money from netflix and amazon and apple it's like they, they've raised the prices of everything for all the other studios too so i don't mm-hmm. know funny world we live in all right let's take a break and then we'll move on to our next topic uh let me tell you about our sponsor this episode of download also brought to you by jamf now manage your apple devices from anywhere with jamf now when you first start your business it's pretty easy to keep track of your own computer and your own phone there they are i got them we're good. But as you grow and start to buy more tech for your employees, it gets harder to keep track of everyone's Macs, iPhones, iPads. Then you're trying to figure out how to secure the iPad that the sales rep just lost. Like, can we get that back? What's on it? Um, Especially if you're all in different locations. There are a lot of virtual organizations these days. JamfNow makes all of this and a whole lot more much easier. You can configure settings, protect sensitive information, and even lock or wipe a device remotely from anywhere. Wherever you are, you can wipe that device that got lost and needs to be zeroed out so nobody can find your important data. Jamf now secures your stuff. You can focus on your business instead. You don't need to be an IT expert. It's not required. It's easy to use. You can find out more and create a free account today at jamf.com. That's J-A-M-F.com slash download FM. Because you listen to this show, you can start securing your business immediately. Your first three registered devices are absolutely free. And you can add more for just two bucks a month per device. So go create that free account today. Jamf.com, J-A-M-F.com slash download FM. Thank you to Jamf now for their support of download. Before we move on to our third topic, I want to mention a story you may have missed. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but <laughs> I have to note the passing of a company that I like to call Juicero, although they might be Juicero. I don't know. Juice, <laughs> Juicio, that's a Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing reference for those who read that book. Uh, but Juicero, Juicero, Juicero sounds very much like it's a rodeo or something. Yeehaw! This is the company that built an incredibly expensive dispenser for a, uh, a, a bag full of juice concentrate <laughs> and it had it was internet connected and it scanned a barcode and all these things and it was a $700 piece of hardware they eventually reduced it down to 400 each juice bag cost between $5 and $8 um, it was one of those things that already seemed like a little bit of a wild Silicon Valley startup idea that nobody really needed but they poured the money in so they were going to build it anyway there was a really great post about how this was an exquisitely designed piece of hardware which was a mistake because they should have shipped something faster that was cheaper instead (laughs) that i thought was a really great post and then the killing blow was probably when bloomberg reporters squeezed the bags (laughs) into cups without the use of the 700 juicer and uh they died they're gone uh, they're going to discontinue delivery of their juice packs. They did it this week, and uh, they offered in a nice, uh, nice offer to refund customers for the press if they contact the company before December first. Uh, good luck. Get your money. Uh, tr- give it a try. See if they give you your money back. But Juicero, 
oh well back to yeah. the uh, back to the refrigerator case at the supermarket i guess <laughs> you know juicer was kind of a learning moment for the tech press too because <laughs> how many people saw this thing played with this thing you know before bloomberg it doesn't take a rocket scientist to take a juice bag and squeeze it and see if this machine you know actually if it's necessary at all so maybe a sign that we should question more especially even if they're a heavily funded uh fancy sounding startup name yeah a few questions i think would have made this uh-huh. product status clear <laughs> but isn't that true of a lot of silicon valley stuff where you're like why is this a product yeah, and i think but, that's it is we you got to mm-hmm. ask that question of like why why would somebody have this and why you know why is this better than doing it a normal yeah. way just because it's a new way of doing it doesn't necessarily mean it's better and they just mm-hmm. had some you know explanations but they were not i think reasonable explanations they were not good explanations i mean it's a problem with us with the tech industry in general and especially with reporters we go to things like ces and we go to things like global world congress um and there's so much pressure to like find the next big thing or the next thing that's going to revolutionize your home or your kitchen or whatever uh that we sometimes latch on to products that are kind <laughs> of ridiculous just because honestly because they're kind of ridiculous and what starts off as oh i'm going to report this $700 juicer as a joke because what the heck we've gotten to this level tech company uh, becomes less of a joke when 70 other reporters pick up on it and then all of a sudden you know CBS is doing a report on the new $700 juicer that might change your life Uh, so part of this is I feel like we just have to be we have to be better as as journalists, not just on the fact checking side, because I do think the the origin of this, you know, the, the origin of the hype machine around Juicero or Juicero or whichever uh, is it really, yeah, Juicero. Uh, it, it really came, I think, as a as a result of a people rolling their eyes uh, before it kind of mm-hmm. spun out of control. Uh, so I. I don't even know if it's not necessarily doing due diligence, due diligence as much as it is just maybe you don't report the $700 juicer. Maybe you just look at it and you say, you know what? That's a product that's destined to die in a dump. <laughs> or maybe, I mean, you could just report it and say that. And I think like there is definitely a desire to be nice about like what you cover. And if you don't like something, you know, just don't do it too. And uh, yeah, we need more of that critical thinking out there. I forget what came more, the hype for Juicero or the funding. And when a dumb idea gets a lot of funding behind it, then, you know, I think people are a little more lenient about it. Well, but, that's that's the yeah. other part of this story, yeah. right? Is it's not just journalists not asking the questions. How did this get funded? <laughs> who are the people, who are the venture capitalists who are supposedly uh-huh. so great at seeing good ideas and seeing potential in something? How did they look at this product and think, oh, yeah, this is a good idea. Now, maybe the or- original pitch for this was that for a much more affordable system and so maybe in the end what the 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 big problem is that they built a 700 dollar you know heavy metal juicer thing instead of something like the soda stream i've got in my house which is just kind of cheap crappy plastic but i love it and it's great (laughs) but it's not anything right worth writing home about but it was cheap and it got me to buy their product and i i I wonder about that though like who was guiding this company who was investing in this company (laughs) because it does when they get funding it does allow them to market themselves it does accumulate some sort of veneer of respectability right that right. that is baffling to me so that's the other part of this is like that's mo- they they put money into this 
company and lost it. Like, what were they? What were they thinking? I don't know. What were they thinking? I, 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 you know, I've talked to a lot of VCs, and a lot of them have this idea of just investing in people rather than you know products uh-huh. and companies and ideas. And I think sometimes that idea, if somebody has done something famous or successful in the past, doesn't necessarily mean their crazy idea could succeed again. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, again, it's possible that mm-hmm. there is an iteration of this concept that could have been successful, but um, this wasn't it. <laughs> oh well, it's it's gone now. So we send it, we send send it out onto R. the R. lake R. and set it on fire, and now we move on. Viking funeral for Juicero. Uh, topic number three. That wasn't a topic, by the way. That was just a story you might have missed. I didn't want to let it go. Topic number three is about uh, tech in sports would be the broad way to put it. I also wanted to just uh, talk about baseball a little bit because I know Stephen Hackett loves it when I talk about baseball. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Going to uh, edit the section out, making notes. But great news, everybody. The Apple Watch is uh, in the news because <laughs> the Boston Red Sox apparently used one to cheat at baseball. Dirty, dirty cheaters. Now... Uh, the, the baseball (laughs) rules about stealing signs are peculiar because you're actually allowed to steal the signs of a, of a catcher. Um, you're just not allowed to use technology to do it. And this is, what's interesting is how sports have tried and failed or tried and succeeded to integrate tech. So we have instant replay in a lot of sports now. In most sports, there's some form of instant replay. The NFL famously made a deal with Microsoft and put Surface tablets everywhere. Uh, It used to be that you couldn't, (laughs) used to be you couldn't even have pictures um, or you could only have pictures and they couldn't be transmitted digitally. So they would like take them on film and run them down. And they finally were like, all right, we're going to have surface tablets. And then Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers like threw one across the field and it was not good. Um, and the <laughs> and iPads are now in dugouts in baseball, but they're, but they're in airplane mode, I believe. And so they can have data on them, but they can't be used as a relay device. And what happened with the Red Sox is they wanted to relay the information about stealing signs faster so that they could have done it legally, even though it's questionably, you know, maybe it's cheating, but it's not, it's sort of not. Um, but that was too slow. They wanted faster turnaround because it was too long to get to the, uh, to the dugout. And so they have a trainer in the dugout with an Apple watch. They just started sending him text messages and said, you know, you relay this to the people in the dugout. Seems right. Seems simple, right? <laughs> Except electronic mm-hmm. devices are not supposed to do that in the dugout, and uh, and they're going to get in trouble for it. But it's a fun story, right? Like, I mean, all sports have to fi- have to figure out, like, how do you embrace tech, and when do you push it away? And in th- this seems to be one of those cases where baseball's like, this is where we draw the line, is using wireless communication technology. Um, you know, NFL mm-hmm. quarterbacks have a radio in their headset, but um, ba- in baseball, no, 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 no apple watches or at least don't use your apple watch if you're in the dugout it's it's weird could you describe like how this worked out jason because i i'm here in new york so i I should have some sort of side in the story but i also don't care because it's baseball well i mean Uh, but there there was something interesting with the back and forth right the new york times had a good diagram of it yeah there's i I recommend that people check out the new york times they did a whole uh whole little thing of course with glee and new york uh new york newspaper right they're gonna they're gonna have it basically the way this (laughs) sign stealing works is that uh 
a catcher puts down fingers in a in a sequence of orders and that, that's how he communicates with the pitcher about what pitches to throw and so what w- what was happening is the red Sox were studying what the signals were and trying to read what the signs were and figure it out once they crack the code then the um then they do this thing where they send the the information about what signs they're using to the trainer in the dugout and he's looking at his apple watch now Again, they could have run that over on a piece of paper, and I think it mm-hmm. would be legal at that point. But um, they use the Apple Watch, and so this creates this evil, extra level of novelty that uh, delights everybody. I'm unclear sure. whether if they're using video rather than like their own eyes, if that makes it illegal. Because again, baseball's got this very weird relationship with technology where they, they want to keep it out um, to a certain degree. Uh, mm-hmm. Although, like I said, they did embrace kind of like iPads for like looking up data and stuff because it's essentially at that point just like a big book but they didn't they don't like this idea that you've got people with radios all over the all over the field uh indicating what's going to happen with the next pitch yeah. isn't there aren't there uh phone uh phones in the dugout though like old school corded phones <laughs> uh th- i think that's just to talk to the bullpen to have them like uh okay get so somebody that's literally- warming up it's a one or a two-way conversation that's just connected to those two areas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do but should we should we care? I mean, I, I would I, I kind of feel like sports should just embrace the technology. I know they want to keep a level playing field, right? So one mm-hmm. of the rules in the NFL, for example, is they've got ra- they've got radios and they've got tablets and all of that, but they have to be in parallel. Everybody's got to have the same ones. And if there's a communication glitch on one side, they actually turn off the communications on the other side because they want to keep it. They don't want the tech to be the thing that changes uh, mm-hmm. the, the the alters the 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 fairness of the game, but beyond that, like um, it, it is funny to have this where it's like the the act is legal, but the method of communicating it via an electronic device is somehow illegal. It's weird. Well, and this is bizarre to me too because when I think about evolutions in sports, a lot of sports has been or like the 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 ch- the changes between winning or losing, a lot of it has been technologically motivated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, you can argue that sabermetrics wouldn't be possible without tech. Certainly. Um, you know, certainly I guess you could do it all handwritten, but uh Yeah, Bill James did, a lot but of, it didn't yeah. really flower until we had spreadsheets, right? <laughs> exactly. It's like spreadsheets and number crunching and, and all of this stuff is, is yeah, exactly. Databases. God, I never thought that I'd be praising databases. But it's, I don't know, in the in the age where we have technology that can fit into your palm, um, people are going to use it to cheat. People are going to try and use it to cheat if it's not legal. Um, and it just reminds me of the age old debate about like marijuana or something where it's just like, well, you could make it illegal and everybody's going to do it anyway, or you could make it legal and tax the heck out of it. Or in this case, yeah, make rules, it legal. Put rules and- around it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, is it really, is it really that much faster to send an Apple Watch versus to, you know, do a, a telephone line of, of bat boys doing like ASL? Like, is ASL legal? ASL is a form of technology. You know, it's like, what, where do we draw the line? Is paper not technology, despite the fact that we use technology to create paper? Uh, just, it just seems so arbitrary to me. Baseball gloves, also technology, <laughs> but not electronic <laughs> right. in nature. Mm. Yeah, I, it's a, uh, you know, there was a, um, 
when I was a kid, I read a story. It turns out to, that George R. R. Martin wrote it. That's called The Last Super Bowl, and it's about like cyborg robot kind of like football games and what what's the future of uh, of of sport and technology. And I think about that a lot. And I think there are good ways to integrate it. I, I at the same time, I I appreciate the fact that the way you could really solve this problem is by giving the catcher like um, a microphone and putting mm-hmm. a little earpiece in the pitcher so that he could just say or or even like a a, a set of buttons and he could be like throw this pitch and then the pitcher <laughs> would be like got it and would throw the pitch you could do that do we want do we want that though does that does that uh it, it, it's part of me and this is the the internal struggle is like part of me is like sure why not it's great that uh quarterbacks have that speaker in their in their ear so they don't have like a giant laminated card that they're reading out there to to (laughs) decode the hand signals from the sidelines like look just just let them talk okay let's let's give up but at the same time it's not the same now you've got uh you know people standing out there holding their their you know hand to their helmet listening for uh what what play they need to run so it's like nostalgia but also it's sort of inevitability of the march of time i don't know technology sure. i also i also like the uh, the little meme that kind of popped up as soon as the story happened because everybody was tweeting finally a use for the apple watch <laughs> yeah well it's it pretty good it's, oh, it's small it's small and it's convenient and uh it's small and convenient yeah. what it's i just, really want to know mm-hmm. is why didn't they cheat better you can have custom haptics for your watch. Why not have somebody write an app that taps you twice if it's going to be a fastball or taps you four times in quick succession if oh, it's going yeah. to be a curveball, right? Like next, then, next version. Then, yeah, seriously. I mean, th- there's just so many better ways they could have cheated with the, the Apple Watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this is and it's lazy too because I think in the end they could have probably done something where they had somebody behind the dugout or something like that who was getting the electronic messages where nobody could see them and then that person was stepping out or or uh relaying it, but I think they didn't want to give away that they were doing it and somebody eagle-eyed on the Yankees noticed that there was a guy sitting there looking at his Apple Watch and then saying something to somebody and that, that's how the the jig was up, but it really was just about <laughs> cutting corners and making making it go faster and i i can see why you know baseball would say look we're trying to not have electronic you know live electronic relay of information into the dugout we want to keep that part for ourselves Mm -hmm. but they still have instant replay in baseball and you know what that has done is that every baseball team now has a person or multiple people who are watching a video monitor back in the clubhouse and they have 30 seconds basically to run down the tunnel to the dugout to tell the manager whether they should challenge the call or not so it's not like this stuff is i mean it's kind of ridiculous right but that's how they do it so this is a little bit like that. Yeah. I, I like how the story boils down to somebody seeing someone looking at an Apple Watch and thinking, nobody does yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. What? what? That, that's suspicious. Well, I don't I don't <laughs> think it's just telling him it's not 50 after the hour, so they're not telling him it's time to stand. So what is going on there? <laughs> um, and you're not supposed to be getting text messages or anything in the yes, dugout, right? Yes. That's part of it. So I don't know. It's funny. Technology is everywhere. It's insidious. It sneaks into everything, even baseball, good old baseball. Right, Stephen? Good old baseball. Mm, it is old. Yeah, <laughs> old. It's old. I think Stephen and I are in agreement here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
you guys. Anyway, um, uh, before we say goodbye, I want to mention one other thing. Stephen and I were not talking about baseball on a special episode we did this week. Of It was sort of a merger of the Clockwise podcast and the Download podcast here at Relay FM, where we talked with Dan and Micah for half an hour about kind of personal topics. It's a membership bonus, one of the bonuses of Relay membership. This is Relay Membership Month. Um, you can sign up and support your favorite Relay shows, including this one, at Relay.fm slash membership. And you get a lot of stuff like a nice newsletter that Stephen puts together every every month. And uh, there's a, a special members only podcast plus all the bonus episodes that we just did. Um, and you get last year's bonus episodes, too. There's lots. It's a lot of fun. So check that out. Relay.fm slash membership. All right. What? is going to happen next week. Well, guess what? Apple is having its first event at its new Apple Park campus in the Steve Jobs Theater to unveil the new iPhone and lots of other stuff. So, yeah, that'll be a big week. There's a lot of news next week. It's going to be a big week. (laughs) Uh, But that's next week. Uh, For this week, this is the end of this edition of Download. Uh, Devendra, where can people find the stuff that you do? All over the place. Uh, I write about techandgadget.com. And yeah, you could tune in for our Apple you know, coverage next week. And I also review movies and TV shows at SlashFilm.com at the SlashFilmCast podcast there. Yeah, maybe some more Apple uh, Apple distributed films coming your way. It's possible. Weird world we live in. Very strange. It's all going to converge. Worlds colliding. Worlds colliding. Uh, Ren, where can people find the stuff that you do? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Saturn, S-E-T-T-E-R-N, as well as on iMore.com, where we're going to write certainly a ton about the impending Apple products, uh, as well as uh, on Relay FM. I do a little podcast with Stephen Hackett called Query, where we provide simple answers to complex tech questions. Hey, that's me. Look at yeah. that. It is you. Aww. Yeah, you can find Steven there, too. Isn't that nice? Mm. All right. That's it. Steven, thank you. As usual, I'm sorry I called you an axe murderer earlier. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> well, you know, if something happens to you, it wasn't my fault. Okay. Fair, fair enough. And I have been your host, Jason Snell. I, until next week, Steven and I will keep watching the headlines so you don't have to. Bye, everybody. Bye.